Hello, I'm Liz Jones. If you read my diary in the Mail on Sunday's You magazine, then you'll know me and my life pretty well. But if you've always wanted to know more, this is the place for you. Welcome to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast. I'll be taking you behind the scenes of this week's column before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years. I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello. We'll go on getting back, so getting back, so getting back, so getting back, Are you going to be watching the final on Sunday? No, I'd rather die. You don't like football, do you? I don't like football, no. I don't like football. Is there anything you do like? Yeah, chips at the minute. (laughs) I'm craving chips. It's funny, isn't it, how you don't like football? No. I think a lot of people don't like football. Yeah, but even if you don't like football, you tend to watch the World Cup final or, like, the final on Sunday. It's versus Germany. No, no, not for me. Not for me. No, I will be avoiding all the pubs with the screens outside and I'll just be turning the telly up and I'll be annoyed because it won't play the programmes I like because Poxy Football's on. I'm one of those people. But no, I do love the fact that we're sort of, you know, showing girls this role model that you can do anything, any sport. It's not closed to you. Why shouldn't girls play football? Why shouldn't they play rugby? And... I think there's, that's a really great aspect of it. I'm really keen on that side of it. And we've had all these adverts, haven't we, um, from, from football players, men and women, about misogyny and about sexism and stuff. So it's sort of bringing up a conversation, which is good. I quite fancy Ian Wright as well. You know, he's now commentating. See, you fancy the weirdest men. Honestly, you and me are never going to ever What's fancy wrong with the same. Not, oh, no, you Marcus don't, you don't fancy Monty Don. No, I do How not. How could you not fancy Monty sort of Don? Like all these sort of like older, more weathered looking you men. Could be, you could be married to Monty Don, you'd never see him because he's always in the potting shed. Well, I suppose at least you'd eat well, wouldn't you? You'd have your nice veg. Sorry, I'm sticking with Tom Cruise and he's piloting. I will not be swayed. So, do you know there's another final this weekend apart from the women's football? I do, I do. It's very exciting, do, isn't do, it? Do, 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 do. <laughs> and everyone's going to recognise that from that. They are, <laughs> Love is, Island. Love Island. Isn't it? it is in it, though. Final on Monday. I am Team Gemma. Gemma, daughter of a famous footballer, Michael Owen. She's got yes, his eyes. She is. Yeah. And she is so straightforward and level-headed and doesn't buy into any of the hysteria. Last night, or the night before, they had, they were all given a baby. Oh, I love the baby stage. No, I don't like all that screaming. Anyway, Gemma hated her baby. She called her baby Rog. Right. Rog. Who calls their baby Rog? I don't know. 
And she said, my baby's ugly. I'm sorry, it is. She, she called her baby it. But don't they all look the same? Well, it is, isn't it? And it's a doll. It's a screen. And she's doll. so down to earth. And she told off her boyfriend, Luca. And she said, literally, like, fuck off right now. How old are you? 12? She's been watching you, hasn't she's she? She's listening she's, to the podcast. She's copied you, hasn't she? How old are you, 12? That's your favourite thing. So I love Gemma. I want Gemma to win. Team Gemma. Team Gemma. Don't give any of the money to Luca. Just keep it to yourself, Gemma. And go and buy some more horses. I wonder if anyone's ever done that. They've never done that I'd on do Little Island, have I'd they? Keep it. They've never done that. I'd push Luca in the pool. I sort of love one of the girls to do that. I would. I don't know why, because I think it'd be mean. But I, I love sort Gemma. Of, I just sort of would like it. Who do you want to win? Well, I've, I'm behind on it, so I can't give a fair, I can't give a fair analysis. So I'm going to have to catch up. So I don't want to know. I've got to try and catch up before the final, because otherwise I'll find out who's won, and there won't be any point, will there? You've watching it. No. No. But Nick, you are going to start eating again tonight, aren't you? I know. I'm on day five of a five-day water fast that I talked about last week. and You don't look any different. Well, my mum very helpfully said to me that my stomach had gone down and my skin didn't look so tight. So, thanks, mum. <laughs> I appreciate that. She could have said, you've debloated a bit or, you know, you, you look, you're looking, you know, a bit, bit slimmer. No, no, no. Your skin doesn't look so tight. I'm has like, it made a difference? Um, yeah, I think it has. I, 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 feel, I feel a bit clearer. Um, I think my vertigo is very slightly improved. Um, I'm sort of more on the lightheaded stage. I, I, it's, it's helped with my acid indigestion. It's, yeah, I've, I've been all right with it. I mean, it's, it's hard, and it was a really big decision to do it because... Has it having, helped with your organs? What I've got left of them, yeah. Um, I, what about the back pain? No, I don't... What about the funny foot that you can't stand on? No, I don't think it affects those. I mean, I've only been doing it five days. We can't ask for miracles. But, I mean, it was a massive decision to to do it because having struggled with anorexia and, and bulimia and been a compulsive eater, being a comfort eater, having all these issues around food, it would be quite easy to get sort of, like, tied up in it and think, oh, actually, you know, I've done five days not eating. So I've been very, very careful around it. And I'm sort of quite pleased because we've just I've just had some totals come in and I've raised um thanks to all the super generous, amazing people that have sponsored me nearly a thousand pounds. That's amazing. It's just under a thousand pounds in five days. So, you know, a lot of people say, Oh, you shouldn't be doing it, but look at what it's achieved. So I'm thrilled and people have been in, I mean incredibly generous. One lady um donated 350 pound i mean that that's incredible um someone else has donated 150 um but it doesn't matter a pound i'm grateful for a pound i'm literally so happy that we've pulled this money in between us and we can help the charities so you're going to also put a link in, on, on the i am you? i am and i also opened up over the last couple of days i also opened it up to second chance goldens who i got boris from because the, you know it was so great we were getting so many donations and i just wanted to you know they're really struggling at the moment trying to get kennel fees and trying to get dogs over and feed stray dogs and and, and so all the work they're doing and they're really really having a hard time so i just wanted to open up the donations to them as well um so you know both charities animal hope uganda and second chance goldens have done well out of it so i'm, I'm chuffed a bit so have you planned your meal that you're gonna have 
Well, my mum, bless her, is making me some Medjimek, which is a, a lentil soup with, like, um, lemon in. So I think she's a bit frightened. I'm just going to go out and shove a chip butty with curry sauce or something in my face and make myself ill. So she's made me some lovely soup. So I'm going to have soup, salad and some fruit. So it's 8 o'clock tonight and I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Um, I went to see Prima Fasse this week. Um, on I think it was on Sunday I saw it. Absolutely fantastic. Starring? Starring Jodie Cromer, who was in, in Killing Eve. She is absolutely incredible. I saw it at the cinema. They're, they're doing some streaming dates, and I think it's also on the National Theatre's app as well. The minute I saw it was on, Nick, I emailed you and said, Nick, you can go and see Jodie Cromer at the local cinema, yeah. and it's not until August. And she was like, oh, I've already got my ticket. I bought my ticket literally as soon as it came out. I was so excited, because I, I, I think she's amazing. I thought she was incredible in Killing Eve, and I thought she was brilliant. But in this place, she's, it's a monologue, and she holds the stage from the very beginning throughout every minute of the production. She's absolutely incredible. If she doesn't get some awards for this, I will be absolutely shocked. She's, she's amazing. And it's written by Susie Miller, who's a lawyer that felt that sexual assault wasn't being dealt with very fairly in, in, in what's a very male-dominated justice system. And it is beautifully and sensitively written it, it's incredible i can't praise this play enough actually i think it's absolutely marvelous no i'd have loved to have seen it but yeah. i didn't get a ticket no well i did say to you when on the, on the day before there were still some tickets and you could come but you were working weren't you you were doing you were writing a piece you yeah, well, i'm always yeah. working so um yeah so there's a little bit where the the, the writer talks about it before the film and she was saying, you know, it's so badly dealt with in this country. In other countries, they've got courts that are especially for sexual assault. And the play, that's what the play's about. It's about a defence lawyer who is getting people off, getting men off for sexual assault. And then she is sexually assaulted by a colleague of hers. And the tables are turned and how she deals with it. So it's, it's a really interesting journey between her being this sort of lawyer that's really just trying every which way she can to win her case to being on the receiving end of that. And there's a really poignant moment where she says, look to your left, look to your right, and one in three women have been sexually assaulted. So in the three women that where you're sitting in the, you know, there, one in of you has been sexually assaulted. And it hit me because I'm like, I don't need to look to the left. I don't need to look to the right. That that woman is me. So, you know, it's it's closer than you think. It's it's not necessarily something that happens to someone else it, ha it can happen to you and I've been in a, a very similar situation with someone I know someone I trusted I'd liked I liked him we were friends I'd started seeing him and one night he had too much to drink and, and honestly I don't find drunk men attractive I don't want someone paralytic pouring at me he wouldn't take no for an answer um, he was aggressive I was bruised I was hurt it was non-consensual. It was absolutely rape. No, no two ways about it. And unlike Tessa in the play, I did what I should imagine many women do and, and, and possibly people that are listening to this share this experience. I didn't go to the police. There was no part of me that felt I would be believed. There was absolutely no one that I thought would believe me on it. Everybody that knew him thought he was a good bloke. He was funny. He was great company. He was he was what you think is the Mr. Nice Guy. And 
I couldn't even believe it. I couldn't think that he would do something like that. So it's kind of, if I don't believe that he'd do it, why would but anyone else? Did you else? attack him back? Did you punch him? Yeah, I mean, you know, I was covered in bruises. Um, I mean, he had a black eye. Yeah, but at the end of the day, the, the guy was, he was six foot four. And at the time, I was, I'm five foot two. And at the time, I was eight stone. And I didn't stand a chance. I just didn't stand a chance. And I sort of just locked it away. I thought I was okay. Um, and I clearly wasn't because a few year, a few years ago I had a stalker and, and it's when something like that happens you realise you're not okay because I had the trauma of someone that was stalking me. They were waiting outside my door. They were spying on my house. They were watching me, following me. They left sex toys on my doorstep. They were, they were confronting me and being aggressive because I didn't have a relationship with them and all that's bad enough. And then you've got this fear of how it's going to escalate and this awful feeling of the potential of what could happen. That could happen again. Someone could treat you like that again. And that's when you realise... And he never did, by the way. He never laid a hand on me to, you know, make that absolutely clear. He, 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 he was very much about following me and trying to coerce me into a relationship. He wasn't ever violent to me or touch me or anything. But... I, I realised then I was actually quite scared and all this fronting it and being okay was an illusion and I ended up staying in the house with the blinds down and it wasn't even enough to have the blinds down and the door locked. I just felt so incredibly vulnerable and it was awful, awful. And, and the police were really useless, weren't they? I think they, they were. They were really. They were. They. It, nothing happened. There was. There was circumstances around because he, he had a disability, and I was a victim, and I was made to feel like I wasn't. And so that, on top of this, this sort of fear inside me that I mean, I was up there alone with him a lot. You know, we, we lived very close, and you know, it was very rural. And I was scared to get outside my door. I would literally look out my door, left and right, and run to the car with the dogs to go out. I, it was it was horrific, and I wouldn't want anyone to go through that. And I'm at the stage now where I can talk about it because I think it's really important for people to know they're not the only person that's been through it, and this play illustrates that beautifully. Because I don't think anyone watching this play won't be touched by it in some way. Um, even if they haven't had that experience, I was certainly really touched by it. And I think the thing is, is even if you have these experiences and you think you're okay, you're not. There's insidious challenges that rear up in situations you don't expect. Like I didn't expect to have a stalker and I didn't expect all that that erupted. You you know, you lock it in this little box and then you're, you've got this little demon in this box hammering away saying let me out you know I need to talk about this I need to do something about it. you can't just ignore me and then something like that happens and you can't ignore it you just can't no I wish I could have seen that yeah well it, it will be on again and I would like to see it again actually it I would love to go and see it again because I'm sure it's the kind of play that you you get more out of it every time and I sat there and I thought I'm fine watching this, you know. It's fine. and as as I as I got more into the story, and she was so amazing, it literally all the things that had affected me started come coming into my reality, and 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 I felt my experience through her, and 
that that's beautifully written to make you do that that's beautifully written so i i would recommend anybody sees this it's fantastic well shall i cheer you up with my cheer me up. go on cheer me up i could do with some cheering up that was quite difficult i could do with some cheering up and the he- heading of my column is quite polite really given what happened. It says, in which I embarrass myself. There could be a different word there. Oh, dear. <laughs> I tried to think. Oh, dear, the column begins. Remember that scene in the first Sex and the City film? Oh, you probably haven't seen it, I have not it? No, because you're a fetus. I'm a fetus. All the girls are on Carrie's honeymoon because she got jilted at the altar. In Mexico, Charlotte, by mistake, ingests some water in the shower. Do you remember what happened? Do you? This was me on Sunday afternoon. I'd arranged to meet the new boyfriend for lunch at a country house hotel. He'd finished some gigs and had a couple of days off. I booked a table. I had a bath, washed my hair, put on foundation and my Vivian Westwood pirate squiggle t-shirt I found on eBay. The one I bought in 1981 was a duster. Uh, That will be worth money now, surely. I regret that every single day. He had once been a punk. He used to wear eyeliner. I thought he'd appreciate the reference, but he didn't mention what I was wearing. He was already at the table when I got there. The place was packed with a wedding. Idiots, he said. He ordered champagne. I'd only taken 50% of the collies as it was 30 degrees. They sat under the table in the shade. I poured a bottle of mineral water into a bowl on the ground. That's expensive, he said. Only what they deserve. Beautiful young women kept wafting past, taking selfies. Shall we do one, I said. I can take a picture of you, he said. You look young. I always think it's strange when someone says I look young, but I suppose all those times I sat on Frinton Beach, freezing as a child, shielded from a hurricane by a windbreak, wearing sunblock and a product called Parasol, which was supposed to keep my hair young, was worth it. Just take it. If someone says you look young, take it. Don't we ordered. I was starving, as I never eat before I meet a man. To me, a date is like swimming. (laughs) A full tummy means you will drown. Reader, I drowned. I felt this awful rumbling in my tummy. Oh dear. Oh no. I felt a dampness. Oh no. I got up. I placed a napkin on my seat. I can never go back. Oh, my God, you are Gracie. I have turned into a collie. You are Racy Gracie. It's the same place where Gracie did the money poo. Oh, no. I won't be able to go back there for five years. Oh, my God. Ever, ever. So as we were leaving, I said, you lead the way. (laughs) (laughs) I was reminded of my sister, who I'm estranged from. She always used to get the giggles. One day we got off the school bus and she couldn't help herself. From that moment on, her nickname was The Fountain. Oh, God. I miss her and our history every day. I sidled up to the lectern to Backwards. Pay. I was trying to gather collies around me. <laughs> I tried to stand by the lavender. <laughs> Gracie was looking a little bit too inquisitive. Oh, dear. Oh dear. The pointy nose. Always blame the dog. Always. That's why I'm so tolerant she's incontinent and has to sleep on a nappy pad. It comes to us all, Gracie, I whispered in her pointy ear. 
I don't understand why this sort of thing happens when you're trying to impress a man. He's not the sort to laugh it off. He still goes on about the time I sat on his loose seat and dyed it with my self-tan. Oh, let it go. He got in his car and I said I would follow after I'd walked the dogs in the forest. It's OK, I'll go, he said. I wiped my brow. Back home, I stood in the shower, put the washing machine on. I am officially Charlotte on Carrie's honeymoon. I have turned into Gracie. But as Carrie Bradshaw said wisely, you shit your pants this year, Charlotte. Maybe you're done. <laughs> God, oh, poor you. <gasps> That's awful. Do you want to hear what my Jones mounds are? Go on. I can never go back there. You can never go back there. What are ever? they going to think when they got them? When they took the napkin off the sea? I don't know. Run, run like the run like the wind. You can't go back there. If you if you're you're, you're banned, just take it. You're banned. So what Liz loathes this week? Because I hate all those columns. What so and so loves this week? Oh, I love that skin cream I got free from the PR, and I love that book. And because she's my friend, and I said I'd give her a good review. No, we don't like anything. We loathe everything. <laughs> Anyone who is cryptic, just yeah, tell me. Do, I, I don't, don't like cryptic. cryptic. Don't, I don't know. I don't. What well, people that say, pop round and I'll tell you later. No, I'm not telling you on the phone. Stop it. Cyclists. <sighs> yeah, you should hear Martin on cyclists. It's really bad. I don't like cyclists. I'm surprised they need live when he's driving. And finally, people who do a weekly food shop. You've never liked that, have you? I don't agree with doing a weekly food shop. No, but then... Surely, how do you know what you want to eat and surely everything goes off? No, but you kind of just get ingredients and then, then you can pick and choose what you want. You don't no, have I to think have it encourages meals. people to spend money. There's all this stuff that you didn't think you wanted. I prefer the French. You just go out in the morning, you get your coffee, you get your baguette. That's it, and then you it's go home. It's different, isn't it, in Paris? You can go down to the lovely market and you can pick things fresh. It's not the same here, is it? You've got no. to go to co-op every day. Not the same. I don't. I don't. I think weekly shops should be banned. Make the trolleys smaller, then you'll spend less. <laughs> People eat too much. I, I, I can't wait to eat too much tonight. I'm gagging to eat too much. You can read this week's diary in full on Mail on Sundays, You Magazine. So that was probably. My second worst date ever. For that to be your second worst, I, I can only imagine the worst. Because that's, that's pretty awful. Shall we go back to my worst date? Let's go back in time. Let's get in a, a little, little TARDIS and go back. So this was 2019. This was before we were locked down. And it was David's birthday and I booked a romantic mini break. It's already starting to feel like a worry and a disaster. I wasn't incontinent. Plus point. On the morning of David's birthday, I was ready to go on our mini break to Limewood in the New Forest. I was travelling in inky page flares. They're always inky, aren't they? Always inky. A Gucci belt and sheer Valentino blouse. I packed everything in a vintage Vuitton holder. And I also had a black spaghetti strap dress by Victoria Beckham to wear in the evening. Everything was rented. 
of course, courtesy of my wardrobe HQ. See, Carrie, Carrie Johnson rents everything, doesn't she, to wear at number 10. I don't know if she's going to still rent things now she's leaving. Yeah, I don't. She rented her wedding dress as well, didn't she? Everything was... Yeah. Every, I think yeah. she's rented everything. Yeah. Wallpaper. She's going to steam it off. I would steam it off at that price. I've got to be honest. I would. I'd take it with me. My cab dropped me at his flat. He had kept his big beard. I don't remember him having a big beard. For yeah. Limewood. I don't think they allow beards in Limewood. No, That's I remember terrible. you talking about the beard. I asked what preparations he had made for the stay at the hotel. Chosen by me as the chef is Angela Hartner, his favourite. Um, I went to the dentist, he said. I got the aircon in my car fixed so you'd be comfortable. I polished my shoes. It's nothing to what I did, but it was making an effort, wasn't it? No, at least, yeah, that's making an effort. Polished shoes is good. We finally nosed into the long drive of the hotel. It was magical. Trees as far as the eye can see, wild ponies grazing. And at the top of the hill, a gorgeous white stucco mansion. Showing to our room, he actually said, wow, which for him was a huge compliment. We changed to sit by the pool. We were like sort of Miss World contestants, the swimming costume bit. You needed one of them big hats. Did you have one of those big hats for your sun lounger? We chatted. I didn't look at my phone. He said he'd miss me, that we'd waited almost a year being apart, that I'm the love of his life. Later, we dressed for dinner, and as I stepped into the Victoria Beckham strappy slip dress, he said, it's an amazing dress, but then you do have the body for it. After all the hard work, the stress, the disasters, the worry... It was so nice to walk into a posh dining room in a beautiful dress on the arm of a man. Enjoy this, I told myself. Remember it. He squinted at the menu for a bit, moaning that he'd forgotten his glasses. I've gotten to that stage now. He also moaned that when he'd gone outside the dining room for a fag and asked for matches, he was told they cost £15 a box. <gasps> They're nice matches, though. They have to be nice matches. And then the waiter came over. The first sign of trouble came when he was told the cod wasn't gluten-free. How can salt-baked fish possibly contain flour, he scowled rudely. I ordered heritage beetroot. Sounds awful. It's nice, all different colours, yeah. It's pretty, but... Followed by pasta. He ordered salmon, then the John Dory. I couldn't put my finger on it, but he just suddenly seemed strange. He was slurring his words. Brought some gluten-free bread. He picked up both slices, sniffed them, ostentatiously slapped them down like they were a flannel. It was like using them like a flannel. Oh dear. What's wrong, I said. It's not white bread, is it? It's not like your bread. It was as if it, he'd gone mad. <laughs> not like your bread. He lo- <laughs> He loved the other poor people on the table next to us. I should imagine they were enjoying the show. They were like watching a tennis match, like back to him, back to me. Back yeah, to good me, entertainment. Back to him. He was lolling in his chair and then he suddenly shouted, You're a D Starster. Oh, dickhead. You're dickhead. a dickhead. You're a stuck up. What was that rag you worked for, Marie Claire? <gasps> I don't trust you. You and your attitude can fuck off. The couple, the, the couple on the next table started to shift in their seats. 
They probably saved for a year to be able to come here and now this. How dare he? Shush, I said. What do you want to do later on this evening? I was trying to keep implicated. Yeah, yeah. Go up to the room and fuck. Oh, well, that... In was... front of the whole restaurant. Well, after him calling... I mean, he's got seduction right off pat, isn't he? You know, you're a dickhead, you're stuck up. You you're a dickhead. Around, but I want to shag you. Yeah, sure. I was crying, but I was also thinking, I can't get the VB wet because it's vintage. I can't get the VB wet because it's rented. Yeah. He threw down his napkin and got to his feet, swaying. You don't care about me. When I fell down your stone stairs, you didn't ask how I was. <laughs> and it was okay because he felt like an SAS trained. I would have ninja. asked if he hadn't complained that there wasn't any carpet. Who has carpet? I think people do have carpet. No, not think... if you've got beautiful ancient stone no, stairs. No, no, no. I just I think some people do have carpet. Not if they've paid for a house with beautiful stone stairs. No, steps. no, no, no. Just wear a helmet. <laughs> or just yeah. Strap a pillow around yourself. Do what I do. Hold the banister as I go. I've got Strap to that a age pillow as well. around yourself. Hold the banister. He marched off. I realised he had had two mojitos by the pool, two gin and tonics from the mini bar, even though I bought champagne, and at the bar a perno followed by a great big glass of absinthe undiluted, oh. which he drowned in one. Oh dear. My starter was taken away. Oh my god, he's coming back. Oh, God, he could have just had your dinner in peace. You hurt me, he said. I think you should leave, I said. My pasta arrived, but I couldn't eat it. I waited a few minutes, and I crept up to the room. I was like... I was like a burglar. I didn't know where to be. Do you know what I mean? I couldn't eat my dinner. I didn't know to go go upstairs. I couldn't go outside. I couldn't go home because it was his car. I opened the door and his bag had gone. Relief washed over me. I sat on the bed, shocked. I'd paid £545 for the room alone. I hadn't eaten all day. Then I noticed he'd left three £20 notes on the bed and something I can't bring myself to tell you about. What was that? I think... What was it? Did I tell you? Yeah, I'm not repeating it. What was it? It was dirty. You know I'm a bit prudish. (laughs) What was the what was the sixty quid for anyway? Services, I don't know. Services well, it's not a, ruined. It's a, the room was ten times that. <laughs> ah, it didn't even cover the champagne, would it? And then what happened? The Wi-Fi was too slow to stream Love Island. Ah! If you're in a hotel room on your own with something unmentionable, you want to stream Love Island. <laughs> it was unmentionable. I'm sorry. Then there was a pounding on the door. Oh, I thought, no. well, that's a very angry cleaner, isn't it? <laughs> I opened it as I didn't want the people in the next room to record it and tell the Guardian. <laughs> My charger, he said. Why do they always forget something? It's just the gift Why? that keeps on giving, really. I sent him a text. I locked the door, put the latch on. Good. Do not disturb. Bugger off. Block him. I sent him a text telling him our waitress had turned white with shock, that I'm sick of conflict. He replied he would sleep in the car and drive me back. I'd rather get the train, I said. I checked out the next morning and got in a taxi. I'm now back at my flat and I've just got this. What happened next? I don't know. What happened next? I don't know. (laughs) 
I think it was an apology. It's got to be a text, doesn't it? Got a text. I got a text. Got a text. What an absolute... Isn't it funny, though? You're in a £545 hotel suite. You've had to barricade yourself in, and then you can't stream Love Island. You didn't get your dinner. I was too scared to go for lunch the next day in case he was still around. I just went and got a train. But why? What it is it with men? It cost me a fortune. What is it with men, though? Why ruin a lovely time away? You know, lovely hotel, lovely food. Shall I tell company? you one word why? Go on. Chippy. 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 Block him. Chippy. Block him. Every week, lots of you get in touch, telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess. Do you want to know what the readers are saying? Yes. We have Teresa on Twitter. Teresa's lovely. <sighs> she said, love this week's podcast. Those songs that brought back That was Gracie some... Gagging. You know I've written about Gracie. Gagging. Was it Gracie Gagging? It was Gracie You see, Gagging. that was Gracie Gagging. She's that, on antibiotics, her, that, isn't she? That's what makes her faint. Yeah. She's having some more antibiotics, isn't she, at the minute? Yeah. So Teresa said, these songs brought back some great memories. I think the podcast should be awarded. So last, do you know, shall I mention something? Last week, what was my key song? Your back to Life, bag. Soul to Soul. Yep, yeah. yeah, I'm dancing, I'm dancing. What was Kate Moss's first song on Desert Island Disc? She copied you. She copied me. She copied She copied you. me and she, co- don't copy Kate. Don't be a copy Kate. Copy she copied Kate, you. Kate. She copied you. But um, yeah. Trace thinks the podcast should be award winning. Well, it is almost. Not quite, but we need. We, yeah, we were shortlisted. We were, short, we were shortlisted. That was great. And she hopes she finds a lovely new home. No, I haven't. No, but she hopes she do. Oh, okay. So, Thank you. So lo- lovely her. We've also got Amanda who says, Oh, Nick and Liz, my heart ached for you both when you record your traumatic childhood experiences. I think you're both really brave to be so open and honest, and this must really help others with their problems. Nick, you said about taking two years to tell your mum you started your periods really resonated with me. My mum died when I was four years old. She was only 33, leaving my five-year-old brother and 18-month-old baby sister. My dad did his best, but going through puberty and starting my periods was a lonely experience for me. I felt like I couldn't talk anyone about it. I dealt with it silently and alone, and hearing your experience made me realise that periods are embarrassing whether you have a mum or not. Love the podcast and listen faithfully every week, laughing and agreeing with the things you say. So I think that's oh, the point, isn't it? Amanda. Poor Amanda. And and that's the point, you know, like I look at people, you know, I didn't grow up with a dad. My dad was an alcoholic, he died because because of alcoholism. And you look at other people, like I say, with the dad, and you think their experience is one thing. And, and, and for Amanda, she was thinking that, you know, talking about periods would be okay if you've got a mum, and that's not necessarily the case. Not because not I couldn't talk to my mum, but I personally was too embarrassed. I was just very private. So that, that really broke my heart, but I'm glad that it's sort of starting to open up talking about it. I think it. the reason my mum never talked to me about anything was because she was a very old mum. Yeah. And she was sort of a generation, they didn't talk about stuff like that. But it's interesting, I had three older sisters, and not one of them spoke to me about periods, deodorant, bras. They could my have sister didn't talk to me no. about it either. 
No. I mean, I had the opposite, really. My mum's my no hold bars. I mean, God help us what she'd come out with. It was quite a few times I'd be like, oh, mum, don't say that to me. I can't stay. Like, if there was anyone having sex on the telly or anything, I'd be out of there. Mum would go, don't be silly. Sit down. What's wrong with you? And I'm like, no, mum, shut up. Go away. Turn the telly over. And I'd be frantically, I'd much rather watch The Exorcist to our mum than anything that had any possibility of, of a couple going to bed. Not No. Even now, I would walk out the room. So we can have lots more embarrassing bodily stories from yes. readers next Let's week. Let's hear your embarrassing bodily stories. What what awful <laughs> things have happened to you? And how did you cover it up? Did you stand in the lavender? Did you stand in the lavender and blame the colleague? Always blame the dog. Well, that's it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, why not visit melplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. I'll be back next Sunday, but for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. Goodbye.